question is this. How do we get two groups of people to come together? Those that are completely disengaged with what I call their personal physical health status and those people who are in love with their physical health status and doing something about it. How do we bring them together so that everybody fits into the second category of falling in love with their physical health, lowering their risk of disease and feeling amazing? We're going to find out in today's episode of the new science of physical health. Hey everybody, welcome back to this episode of The Daily Drop here. It's late in Australia on a a, a beautiful evening here. It's been a fantastic day and I'm making sure that I get this episode out before I head off for a little bit of kip, a little bit of a nap for a number of hours because it's night time, like really late. The whole household is shut down here. But I wanted to get this episode out. And so here's what happened. I was visiting with my doctor today. I've, I had a, um, a, uh, an injury to my leg um, doing some exercise and I needed to get it treated. So I had to go down there and then get some steps to get some referrals to the um to off to a physio. Well, first of all, to get a, an ultrasound on my on my leg, and then to go to a um, uh, physiotherapist and get some treatment on that, so we can get that back in tip-top shape. You don't quite heal as well at 55 years of age when I was 15 years of age. I was a little bit more robust, a little bit more resilient back then, and this injury happened relatively easy. But anyway, so I was talking to my doctor today, and I was talking. This relates to the um what happened a few days ago um when i took my mother-in-law out to the cardiology practice here in the in the um, area that i live in in sydney now i went i mentioned this the other day i took her to the cardiology practice and she was getting an echocardiogram which i explained in that episode what an echocardiogram does and i was sitting there counting within the hour the number of people that came through this cardiology practice, which I thought was really big. So I was having a, whilst I was getting treated today at the doctor, myself, this is my local general practitioner, um, that's what we call them in Australia, a GP, um, I mentioned to him that I'd done this. Two days before, I'd taken my mother-in-law down to the the cardiology um, practice to get an echocardiogram. He says to me that... that, um, because I mentioned how, well, first of all, I was talking to him and I go, how amazing was the amount of traffic? I mean, I said to him, how many people have got heart disease of some description that go into these cardiology practices? Well, he says to me that the one that I was in is one of the smallest ones in Sydney. I went, what are you talking about? And, that, he, he, and he repeated it. He said, that is one of the smallest cardiology practices in Sydney. I go, that is blowing my mind. So I'm, so what I thought was big and a, a large number of people, I counted 60 people in the hour that I was there that came in through reception. So came in the reception, had an appointment of some kind, getting treatment, treated for some condition. He said, oh no, he said, that's very small compared to what else goes on across Sydney. Now, I hope you understand Australia a little bit. Um, Sydney is our biggest city uh, in the nation. And even though we're a big landmass, we don't have a huge population for a country. I think we've got about 26 million, and there's maybe about five or six million people um, here in Sydney. So this was one of the smaller cardiology practices. So it prompted me to start looking at, well, how many cardiology practices are there? And I found some stuff here. 
that, um, some on a bit of research and a bit of reading about, first of all, how many cardiology practices are there in Australia? Listen to this. There are approximately 1,400 cardiology practices, like the one I went to the other day, across the whole country. Like I said, we're a big landmass, but 1,400. Well, here's the interesting thing, is that um, imagine that each one of those had only one cardiologist, one doctor. Because it's the other research that I did was, I was wondering, how many patients do they see? So on average, five days a week, how many do they see per day? So they're averaging, one cardiologist is averaging 15 to 20 people, sometimes 25 people in one single day that they treat, um, you know, might have some, do some medical checks on and then give them the next stage of whether it's surgery or whether it's, um, you know, medication or whatever it is, how they treat that particular condition that particular person has. So let's go on the low side, right? Let's estimate on the, estimate on the low side. 15 people a day a cardiologist sees and there are approximately 1,400 cardiologists. That's 21,000 people per day get treated for something that's related to the number one, the leading cause of sickness and death, cardiovascular disease. We've got 21,000 people a day around the nation. Now, when you go to a cardiologist to get treated for whatever condition you might have, you typically don't go twice in one week because it takes some time for you to get a booking because they're really busy. So on a weekly basis, it's pretty comfortable to say that those 21,000 people, they're all different people. It's not the same person turning back up twice. So we did that by five. That means 105,000 people a week. Let's count for a little bit of holiday time and the fact that some people are going twice a year to get their treatment or three times a year, whatever it might be, back to the cardiologist. And then let's say that we do, instead of 52 weeks a year, that's 40 weeks a year that we end up having. So it's a 12-week, you know, and it allows for double-up visits and stuff like that. Well, that means that we have 420,000 people a year visiting a cardiologist in Australia. That is just, that's unbelievable. Now, considering that if we have 420,000 that visit, thereabouts, I do know there's 50,000 deaths per year from cardiovascular events. So that is just that is just a monstrous thing. That The amount of people that are getting treated for this condition of which a huge amount, a massive amount, is absolutely preventable. And after all of the cardiologists I've spoken to in different countries besides Australia, that a huge percentage of those, are you can just wipe them away if you had the correct dose of physical activity. So I thought, and I'll come back to that, that topic in a second. I thought what I'd do is I'd go, well, I wonder how many there are in one of the biggest countries in the world, like America. So you ready for this? <laughs> so remember, 1,400 in Australia, population of, let's say, 26 million people. Population of America, 330, 340 million people. This is what it says on, and this was dated in 2021 from a research website. 
there are 33,368 cardiologists in the USA. Let's just assume that each of those 33,000 cardiologists treats just five people a day, long consultations, lots of testing with each individual, just five people per day. That would be 825,000 people per week are being treated by a cardiologist in the United States of America. And I'm not sure whatever country you're from, you can extrapolate the numbers from what my country is, Australia, and what I mentioned there with the United States of America, you can figure out the differences and you'd probably be very, very close to the truth. So I thought I'd do this. I went to the, um, I wanted to find out what does a um, cardiology center treat? So I found here one called Central Sydney Cardiology. So obviously in the center of, in the center of Sydney. And I thought I'd go and just check out a few things about what do they treat? What do they do? So this practice has a, uh, a huge, it says here, meet the team. Let me just see, I'm kind of doing this, not kind of doing this, doing this live, but let me just show you the team of doctors and, and professors in here that will treat people. There is Professor Ian Wilcox, and he is a professor of um, uh, cardiology and was uh, born in Melbourne, undertook medical training in Newcastle in the, in the UK. And so that's one. Then you've got Associate Professor Joe D. Lattimore. I'm not going through all of this. I'll just do the count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen professors in this one car doctors, I should say, um, in this one cardiology practice. Thirteen of them. Wow. So this is in central Sydney. I thought, I wonder what they treat. Okay, so here are some of the conditions they treat. I'll just read them off for you. Some of these you may have an idea about, and but some of them you certainly don't. Coronary heart disease, hypertension, heart failure, heart rhythm disorders, aortic disease, cardio-oncology, so oncology is cancer, genetic heart disease, and sleep apnea. Now, out of those things, the conditions that they would see the most, well, let's just look at the first one. I'll, I'll just click over here into coronary heart disease. See, this is what it says. The arteries have a large amount of muscle in their wall, which can go into spasm, restricting blood flow. But usually it's the slow buildup of cholesterol and scar tissue under this thin lining of an artery, which I've mentioned before, called endothelial. So there's a thin layer on the inside of the artery wall called endothelium, which eventually leads to, if you get this scar tissue and this restriction, leads to inadequate blood flow, stable coronary disease. Alternatively, this may occur suddenly when a cholesterol-rich plaque develops a crack in the surface and, and a blood clot forms, and the acute coronary syndromes of unstable angina and heart attack can happen and can cause sudden death. But check this out. This is mind-blowing. Coronary artery diseases start to develop in the teens. That's what it says here in front of me. Coronary artery disease starts to develop in the teenage years and early 20s before showing up with symptoms in your 40s to 60s. Then it goes on to say here the key to, the key to prevention is changing lifestyle early enough. But that's a very, very generic statement. 
changing lifestyle. What it doesn't do, and I think where the gap has been, what I feel that we are doing in the new science of physical health is, what's the exact correct dose of physical activity that will drive away the risk factors associated with coronary heart disease, meaning it'll drive down your risk of developing coronary heart disease. So we've got, we've determined that using our clinically validated health software inside our project called the Health Lab. So here's the second thing they treat, hypertension or high blood pressure. That's common in adults in Australia and in nearly every country I know of. One in five Australians during their lifetime, if left untreated, increased have an increased risk of serious health problems, including stroke, heart failure, kidney failure from hypertension. So what happens is that you get this pressure on the inside wall of the arteries, and that can lead to a huge amount of complications, one of which is the next thing that gets treated at this clinic here in Sydney, so Central Sydney Cardiology, which is heart failure. It's what heart failure is. The heart pumps blood into the lungs and the rest of the body simultaneously. When healthy, the heart has the capacity to not only meet the blood flow needs of critical organs like the brain and kidneys and the liver, but also to increase its output, meeting the changing needs of the body, such as during any physical activity, planned or unplanned, and all through stress and illness as well. So heart failure is this whole situation where the body, the heart doesn't function, occurs, so doesn't function properly. What happens is when the heart is unable to meet the blood flow requirements of the tissues, it may the heart may fail to contract with a normal amount of power. Well, that's called, cardiologists call it ejection fraction. So initially under stress and after and later at rest, that's when it begins to happen. So this is called systolic heart failure. And there are other types of heart failures called diastolic heart failure. And what the cardiologists look at is things like your cardiac output and stroke volume to determine whether or not you have that particular disease or that, that version of heart disease, which they treat. Because remember, it's not just heart attacks and strokes. So what causes it is Hyper, this is heart failure. Hypertension leads to heart muscle thickening or hypertrophy of the heart muscle and therefore more stiffness, less flexibility. It's a common cause of heart failure and with preserved contraction, previously known as diastolic heart failure. So you have this reduced contraction because the wall of your heart muscle is just too thick. So it's, it's like it just does not pump properly. And so that's caused by one that heart version of heart failure caused by high blood pressure, which we mentioned was one of the things that they treat. So they treat that, they treat coronary artery disease and they treat heart failure. Then they, they also treat things like heart rhythm disorders or aortic disease. Aortic disease, I'll just tell you very briefly about that if you're not unaware is, the aorta is the main branch coming out of the pumps blood out of the heart. It's the biggest blood vessel inside the around in, inside the body actually is the is the aorta. And so you can get lots of different diseases that impact the aorta 
which prevent it from pumping blood correctly around the body, causing really serious problems. So disease of the aorta can be undetected as the aorta usually enlarges gradually. So like any other elastic tube, there will be a point when the artery thins and ruptures, either into the wall of the artery called a dissection or through the wall. It's extremely sudden and painful, described as tearing and often fatal unless recognized promptly and treated in a hospital. Now, it talks about prevention is the key to early, the key is early detection. There may be some people have genetic susceptibility to aortic disease. But there is no question from all the work that I've done with all those different PhDs that you have this release. This is what helps to drive away something like aortic disease. You have the correct dose of physical activity coming into your bloodstream on a daily basis if you do, tracking it so that it is the actual correct dose, not some guess. Then that will that physical activity, whatever you choose to do, releases nitric oxide into your endothelial tissue, which causes it to be more elastic and less stiffening of the blood vessel. So one big adaptation is is a change in structure, mechanical structure of the artery wall. Now that's just three things that cardiologists do that I've just walked you through and walked you through how many cardiologists there are and how many people they're actually treating. There, there's no question that it is a huge, massive problem. The challenge is this, this is the big challenge. How do you hook people into falling in love with their physical health outcomes when currently, whatever they do for a job, whatever they do when they're at home, whatever they do in their family, they not only have no interest, they have no knowledge of how to drive down their risk. And that's the purpose of building the new science of physical health. And this platform is for people to share it with someone so they can begin to have and begin to get hooked on this whole concept that I've created called how do you get learners of any age to fall in love with their physical health outcomes? Well, one of the things I want to do is keep people away from cardiologists. So if you bring people, if you're coming into this world, because we now have 74 countries that listen to us, and I think it's about 820 cities. If you're coming into this world, the objective is to be creative enough to get you hooked on it so you can end up having the correct dose of physical activity, have it tracked, and be at a low, low risk of ever needing to end up in a cardiology practice. That's the objective. So with that in mind, I want to sign off. I want to say thank you for letting me share with you again on this. I find it fascinating. I never, until today, I never examined how many cardiologists are there in major countries. And like you can work it out from my country in America, how many are in yours, and go look it up. But you can figure that out based on population. From the numbers that I gave you in America, 33,000, I think it's 386 cardiologists reported. In Australia, it's a shade under 1,400 cardiologists. Those people are treating people on a daily basis, massive amount of people, for one of the world's most preventable conditions, but is the leading cause of sickness and death. So that's it, everybody. I'm going to sign off, and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode here, and we'll talk and feature something. I got something in mind. I won't tell you what it is now, but I got something in mind 
and I'll share that with you tomorrow. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Can't wait to be back with you tomorrow. Bye for now.